This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Kip Adams, also of Dogs 24-7. Rusty is not with us this morning. Uh, He has got his nose to the grindstone, getting some other stuff done. But we've got a good show for you today, and we are live on YouTube. Come join us. Hope you got those uh, notifications set to know when we go live. And I hope you've hit that subscribe button. If you have not, do it. Do it right now, immediately. Uh, but we got a good show. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of Kirby's comments from the presser yesterday. Uh, we're also going to go a, a few superlatives here at kind of the midpoint of the season, uh, depending on where you look at it, you know, a little past midpoint of the regular season, a little shy of midpoint of where Georgia wants to go. And we talked about that last show. But, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about superlatives. So then it's mailbag on the second half. going to try to answer as many questions as we can get to. Uh, but, but Kip, I want to start with something, uh, something rusty, something Kirby said yesterday. Uh, during his press conference. And listen, he updated on the injuries, said JT Daniels' uh, pitch count's gone up. He's been throwing a lot more, throwing a lot further, 40 to 45 yards, 60 to 70 throws. I think that's really good news for Georgia. The sooner they get both of these quarterbacks healthy, the better this team's going to be. And, you know, I don't care if it's Team Stetson or your Team JT, but just having both of them healthy is tremendous for this football team. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, you know, talked about Arian Smith, how he was borderline for uh, for the uh, Kentucky game. That's good news. Uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack St. and Jermaine Burton actually appeared in that game. They're on track to be healthy. Um, no, Eric Gilbert uh, did not clear George Pick. Um, did not clear George Pickens. Also, did not rule him out. Could that be gamesmanship? I really don't know. I think it probably is, but we'll find out next week, and we'll find out uh, at the for the Florida game. Said Amir Speed is also maybe on track to play as well. Uh, so and, and Chris Smith, Chris Smith was cleared for the Kentucky game. He would have played in dime situations. Georgia didn't go with six defensive backs in that game. They stuck with five and Chris Smith didn't have to play, but he'll be ready to roll for Florida, barring any kind of setbacks. And I think that caveat goes for just about every player um, that Georgia, Georgia has right now. But something kind of caught my eye, Kip, and Kirby was asked, he said, you know, I, I believe it was Vance Levy of Bulldog Illustrated who asked Kirby about, hey, how do you keep your edge during a bye week? You're 7-0. and You beat a lot of teams, five, six teams in a row by three scores or more. Uh, how do you keep your edge? Kirby's, Kirby's response was he didn't scoff at it. I wish he kind of would have. Not, no disrespect to Vance or anything, but I wish he would have kind of snorted at it a little bit because it was almost like we're not worried about keeping our edge. We're trying to find another one. We're trying to get to sharpen the one we got. And I just thought that was kind of what you want to hear, Kip, from your head coach going into a bye week. Yeah, I was actually waiting to hear what you said because I could give you some tips on how to keep your edge during a bye week. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to do that myself or at least find find that edge. I don't know if we could say that the Dogs 247 crew has that edge yet, but we definitely, definitely want to keep it if we do have it. 
Yeah, I mean, he has had kind of that, you know, obviously he always wants to to be that contrarian and push back a little bit on on being too positive about his team. But and Curry Spart's been, you know, he's been more positive about the team. I mean, you, you saw that in the offseason. He just had kind of that calm, you know, more collected uh, aspect to how he would handle most of the questions you guys would throw at him. And it just kind of made you think that, you know, maybe there's a, just a little bit more confidence in, in this team. And I think it just just boils down to the the upperclassman leadership that he knows he has in this team. He knows that, you know, even though the press clippings are starting to really pile up for these guys, that these guys, they know what it's like to get close and, and really not achieve their goal. And so you got guys that have come back and are working like Jordan Davis. I mean, obviously you got the Kobe Dean out there, but you have guys all over the team, Jamari Sawyer, who know the expectation, but also know the standard that Kirby Smart sets in practice every day. And I think that, you know, he haven't really had them say, unless I've missed it, that they've they've had a string of bad practices. And I think that that's something he's mentioned in years past, just not really having the type of practices sometimes during the week that he would like, uh, you know, whether it's the pace or the effort level. I mean, it could still happen, obviously, because we're at the halfway point of the season, basically. But he hasn't really mentioned that much this year. And so that I mean, that shows he, he's got the guys in place that he wants to lead this team. And I, so it's it's definitely not autopilot, but they're able to self-manage and to to push each other without really needing any motivation from the coaching staff, it seems like. So I think that's kind of helping him as far as potentially keeping that edge so far this year. So it, it seems like everything's, you know, in a good spot right now, but he's still obviously telling everyone that we're not where we need to be. And Kentucky showed that there are a lot of areas that we need to improve on if we want to win it all this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I just, I thought that was something, that was something that really stuck out to me. I'll probably ride on it today. Uh, just, you know, listen, um, no, no kind of coach speak on, on, uh, how you keep your edge. It's, it's basically a focus on, on getting another one of, of turning that one bladed razor into a three bladed razor or, or sharpening it up that way it cuts better. I mean, it's I just, that. you know, that, that whole keep chopping thing, you know, that, the that thing you heard a few years ago when they were talking about, and I don't know if Kirby ever said this, I don't know where the, where the quote can be attributed to, but you know, if you tell me I've got you know, five hours to cut down a, a redwood, I'm going to spend the first three hours sharpening the axe. You know, I thought that was, it was kind of in that same vein as uh, just getting better. And I think if this whole team buys into that philosophy, Georgia's going to be just fine. Because, uh, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, Georgia's got a number one on its back, and a number one can be fashioned into a bullseye really quick. And, and, and it does oftentimes. Florida's going to have it. This is Florida's season coming up here in, in several days. I mean, Florida can, if Florida can win this game, shoot, man, they feel a lot better about Dan, Dan Mullen. They feel a lot better about Anthony Richardson. They feel a lot better about everything. Um, even though they're not going to play for the SEC championship, they're, they're feeling great if they can knock off the number one team in the country, and that team's Georgia, uh, but and you can get their second win in a row. So that's something Georgia's kind of got to battle here for the rest of the season. And I think Florida's probably the only team really equipped to do that. Maybe Tennessee. Uh, I, I just don't see Missouri, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech 
Georgia can, I think, can almost roll their helmets out there and beat those teams. I really do. But, um, you know, that Florida's their challenge, and Florida's the next challenge, and and that's something that Georgia's going to have to be focused on coming out of the bye week. Now, Kip, let's get to a, just a few superlatives. We're not going to reel off like a dozen of these things, but start with the main one. Um, and and let's buzz through them the best we can. Uh, offensive MVP, who you got? <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I'm going to go with Brock Bowers. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the, the, the probable front runner for SEC Freshman of the Year, and not just an all-conference candidate. He is really, really pushing so far for a legitimate all-American candidate right now. I mean, I – I went back and I mean, I looked at the stats. I mean, he's leading all power five tight ends, you know, in receiving yards and touchdowns. Obviously, Georgia's getting a, a lot of contributions from freshmen, whether it's redshirt or true freshmen in the passing game with, with Lad McConkey and A.D. Mitchell out there. But uh, Brock Bowers is, I mean, he's on pace to, to shatter every program record at the tight end position. I mean, he's, probably a couple games away from setting that mark in a lot of areas. Got a chance. And, I mean, to set, got a chance to set pass catching records. Yeah. Overall. I mean, I don't think, I mean, we may have, one of us mentioned may, maybe him when we were talking about, you know, leading the team and receiving going into the season. I think most of us talked Not about me. Jermaine Burton. Yeah. Jermaine Burton with AD Mitchell being kind of that wild card guy, but you know, a tight end doing it. Not really what we uh, thought about. And if we did, I mean, we probably would have mentioned Darnell Washington at the time before before his injury, you know, early in the fall. So it's it's a situation where we knew he was talented. We knew he was really talented. We just didn't know he was going to be able to have the opportunity to do what he's done so far. And that right now he's just show, showcasing that, I mean, he's he's really really difficult to guard out there and he's a mismatch he's just really physically talented and he's also been for the most part really strong as a blocker too so yeah. his level of play has been really really good for a true freshman and i think that as far if georgia continues to accomplish its goals i think he's going to get a lot of national praise toward the end of the year too yeah i, I heard todd blackledge on exit the other day call him a budden superstar um, which mm -hmm. I thought was really a really high praise coming from a guy that sees a lot of really good players and calls a lot of really big games. Um, the blocking thing is undersold, underappreciated, but very surprising to me. I really had him tabbed as a as a flex tight end. You maybe you maybe you split his own with him occasionally or whatever. He's been a good point of attack blocker. But Kentucky wasn't his best game. He missed a couple blocks in that game, but but uh, he is he's been a force for Georgia in that way. Uh, movement at the point of attack. Some of Georgia's bigger runs this season have been you know behind blocks or or, or been made possible because of big blocks thrown by him. And he's done a lot of really good things uh, for Georgia. That's that's going to eliminate Brock Bowers for a little category we got coming up. Okay, so that one's out since we both picked him. Uh, okay. But defensive MVP, and this one to me is so incredibly tough. Is is so incredibly tough. And I listen. Tr you name it: Jordan Davis, Jalen mm -hmm. Carter, Nicobe mm -hmm. Dean. All of those guys have been massive. They've been huge. But I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. And this guy hasn't been Georgia's most outstanding defensive player, but Darian Kendrick. And I'm going to say Darian Kendrick because Darian Kendrick 
and Keely Ringo has two to an extent, but Darian Kendrick has stepped in there as spot and he has filled a massive void that could have been there for the Georgia defense, and he's played it extremely well. I think Georgia would would, would Georgia would not be as effective defensively right now if it was Keely Ringo and Amir Speed starting a quarterback. I just I don't think it would be. And I think Darian Kendrick's play at cornerback has elevated this entire defense. And and again, not the most outstanding, but I think in a lot of ways has been the most valuable. Who you got for defensive MVP? I mean, I guess we're really both going to be contrarians here because, I mean, we've talked about the Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis on this pod. I mean, we can't not talk about them every week. But, I mean, I love Jalen Carter just because – I mean, he went from being in a three-way rotation with, you know, Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis out there to just becoming just kind of the breakout player on this defense. Uh, Six and a half tackles for loss. I mean, that blocked field goal. It's just, for me, like, he had maybe the most impressive play of the season when he he blocked those three defenders to let uh, Kendall Milton into the end zone against Arkansas. I mean, that's just one of those plays where I – you know, I look at it over and over again. And I think, you know, is there a more talented player physically on this football team? And it's really, I mean, there are a lot of this physical freaks on Georgia's team right now, but I just think Jalen Carter's at the top of the list. And I think he's just really coming on. And and I think over the next, you know, six or seven games, he's got a chance to really, really just pile up the stats. I think he's just a guy that when he's out on the field, He's wreaking havoc on whichever side of the ball. If he's lining up out there to block, then he's he, – I mean, he's obviously somebody you, you have to account for, and I just think that offensive linemen right now are, are really having a tough time with him. Honestly, right now what they're doing is they're just holding and hoping they don't get the flag. That's what that's what offensive linemen are having to do against Jalen Carter right now. He's just having to take too much attention on a defense that – I think everyone you, you want to double team almost everyone in the front seven and, and you just can't because of guys like him. Yeah, what George is doing up front defensively right now. I was actually um I'm working on a Trey Scott story and I spoke with Pete Jenkins yesterday, defensive line guru, and he talked about kind of how and uh this was something I actually, you know, I, this it was actually an off the record conversation, but it wasn't like a hey, don't say anything like this conversation. But we were talking about how things change down to down for Georgia. Like they'll play the two gap on first down and try to build a wall at the line of scrimmage and, and do that. But then on second and 12 or, you know, third and nine, I mean, they've got Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and Nazir Stackhouse and Trayvon Walker. I mean, I can just keep reeling off names. They've got those guys swim moving and working up field and doing some, you know, doing some stuff to make tackles for loss. And Jalen Carter's been the best at that. Period. He's just been. He's the not best. coming off the field either. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. the thing. And and you know, one of the things Pete told me was, you know, he's, he spends a lot of time with Georgia in the offseason. He's like, he's not, he's not a backup. He's one. He's one B. Uh, you know, to those guys, to Jordan Davis and, and Devontae White. Uh, so um, it was a really cool conversation. Come check us out as I write, you know, kind of about, you know, Pete Jenkins' comments on Trey Scott, Georgia's defensive line, and stuff like that. I should have that out in the next few days. But uh, I just thought that was pretty interesting, the down-to-down change. And you can see it. I mean, if you, if Georgia gets the team behind the chains, they're trying to get them even further behind the chains. And I think that's been one of the bigger strengths of this Georgia defense this year. All right. Let's don't just go freshman here because there's really only one true freshman making a large impact right now, and he's our MVP. 
Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, on Bowers, one of the reasons he's MVP, and I think you'd agree with this, Kip, Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels, doesn't matter. Both of them have needed him. Both of them have relied on him. Both of them have used him. And he's kind of been the common thread that's tied those two quarterbacks together. Uh, but first-year player, redshirt freshman, true freshman, whoever just didn't play much last year at all, didn't really make an impact, Who's been your? Who's been the top first year guy, first year contributor for you this year? And I think it's obviously narrowed down to two names. Yeah, this one's actually. I mean, I love this question just because obviously we we threw out the guy that's had the you know the biggest impact already. But I mean, I got to stick with the the passing game just because Lab McConkey's just not a guy that we we talked about. I mean, we again. This team had some guys get banged up early uh, in the fall, and it's almost like they they didn't they didn't miss a beat. I mean, the offense came out there and has, has looked on most drives extremely fluid and smooth. I mean, they've been able to you know really move the ball down the field and make some big plays. And Lad McConkey's just really really you know made himself known that that he's one of the best playmakers in the conference and a guy that again, didn't play last year and, and didn't get a lot of fanfare except for, you know, you know, maybe on our message board whenever he uh, committed to Georgia right there at the end of, of that, uh, that, that 2020 cycle. I mean, it's, it's just really been impressive to see how good of a route runner he is, but also, the, the guy doesn't drop passes. I mean, I, again, I don't, I haven't looked from the Kentucky game, but I haven't seen him drop a pass. I mean, he he's not caught everything thrown his way, but he, I haven't seen him drop a ball thrown his way uh, that I can remember, you know, unless I missed something in the Kentucky game. And the fact that he's pushing, you know, he's over 17 yards a catch is is just really impressive as well. Um, I mean, I mean, the fact that Brock at a tight ends over 16 yards is, is mind blowing. But again, uh, Lad McConkey, whether he's out there in the slot, you know, whatever he's doing out there, he's able to get open, but also just, I mean, make plays after the catch as well. He, if, you know, one-on-one -on -one in space, he's definitely got, you know, that quick area movement to be able to get yards after the catch. And he's really given, you know, uh, whether it's Stetson or JT back there, he's really given Georgia an outstanding option. And so I, I got to go with Lab McConkey. I, I think that, you know, again, he's not the biggest guy out there. Uh, you know, they make up for that at the, the tight end position for sure. But I think right now he's doing everything you could have hoped for and more, regardless of who, you, I mean, regardless of the name on the back of the jersey, what they were hoping to get, you know, out of the slot position. Uh, I think Lad's been not just a pleasant surprise, but I mean, I think he's been truly impressive for Georgia's offense. And again, these guys are really young, so the future is bright for whoever Georgia has at quarterback right now. Man, I was so wrong when I said this could be narrowed down to two guys because it's actually three. And okay. uh, I'm actually going to go with the third because I thought Lad McConkey, Keely Ringo. I'm thinking I'm taking Cedric Van Pran because. Again, a lot like Lab and, and maybe this might be a contrarian point of view too. And this guy hasn't been perfect, but Georgia has allowed four sacks this year with a first-year center, like a, a redshirt freshman center that barely played last year. Now, yeah, center's not a left tackle. He's not a blindside protector, but he's a he's a he makes calls. He's a guy that you know you can you want to try and confuse because he's got a lot going on. 
Cedric hasn't really been a problem in that area at all. Not only has it been a problem, I mean, the pass protection has been tremendous. Now, I, there have been some missed assignments as far as run blocking goes. Like him and Warren Erickson have gotten kind of tangled up there a couple of times. But the pass protection, it, it, you, listen, you want to talk about having two quarterbacks that you've got to kind of get involved and, and you know, stay good at the quarterback position? Well, protecting them is a big part of that. Four sacks in seven games. Georgia's not the best team in the country in that regard. I think there's one team in the country that's only given up one, um, uh, maybe SMU or something like that. Uh, but but four sacks through seven games is pretty incredible. And Cedric Van Pran, um, I think, has 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 been you know kind of, I mean, it, really impressive there without really making a whole lot of noise. And uh, you know that may that we got one more category. Uh, I do. I got another category that that we're going to get to that he may have been qualified for there. Uh, but but I all got right. Okay. I mean, obviously that's an outstanding pick there. We we've been you know all. All roses so far, you know, all positive. But we, you know, let me kind of flip it for you, Jake. Here, mm. has there the been anything here? Yeah, has there been anything that has kind of disappointed you so far for Georgia? Just something that you know really hasn't lived up to your expectation or what you thought w- would go for Georgia? Just something that you know, if if they're looking over this the the first half, what's kind of disappointed you the most so far? Well, listen. Seven and zero, so it hasn't cost Georgia, and it won't just this number in and of itself won't. No one hundred yard rusher this year. I think that's one thing you look at. If you're, I like looking at stats. Like I like seeing guys rack them up, and I know it doesn't translate to wins and losses. It's just entertaining. I grew up reading the back of baseball cards all the time, and so I'm a big stat guy. I love looking at them. Um, I, I don't. I feel like I put you know some stock into them, but I, I try not to put too much. But you enjoy seeing it. And Georgia doesn't have a hundred yard rusher this year, and I think that's the one thing that I would look at from from running back you. And I'm not mocking it because they've had some guys play at a high level. James Cook's playing really well. Zamir White's had a, a couple of tremendous runs this year, and the, what he did at the end of the Clemson game was fantastic. Kendall Milton is a stud. Kenny McIntosh has done some good things, um, but collectively. The, and I, I bet Del McGee would be proud to hear this. Collectively, they've been a lot stronger than they have individually. And the fact that they just haven't been able to put a 100-yard rushing performance after having, what is it, three different guys last year put together 100-yard. Uh, Zamir White had three or four. James Cook had one. Dejon Edwards had one. Um, I, I would say, yeah, there's a mild level of disappointment in that just because we haven't seen it happen. What about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's – it's not being able to see, you know, we've talked, we just talked about guys stepping up that weren't household names. It's it, for me, it's just kind of the, just the absences as far as the, the, the players at wide receiver, we haven't been able to really see what this offense could, can potentially do. I mean, Brock is obviously a guy that at this point, I mean, you, you can't keep him off the field. You want Darnell Washington out there as much as possible. And and, and Lag McConkey is an outstanding playmaker. But, you know, you thought we would see Dominic Blaylock potentially by now. He went from, you know, ACL surgery to a hamstring injury. You thought this might be the breakout season for, for Arian Smith, but that, you know, he went from turf toe to, you know, now having the contusion, that the, the bruise that continues to linger. You thought Jermaine Burton and Kyrus Jackson would would be 100% by now, but but they're not. You know, obviously Eric Gilbert hasn't been with the program. That's not something that you know we, we've even seen in a uniform in a game before. 
And then just the thought of the potential of George Pickens coming back. I, I mean, it's going to be on the back of everyone's minds. They want to see that. But just the those other four guys, you know, seeing those guys in the passing game. And then obviously, you know, JT Daniels not being able to, to be out there. You don't know what the ceiling is for this offense. And that's been kind of the part we thought this would be the year that Georgia's offense might not only, you know, uh, be right there with the defense, but might be what carries Georgia to a championship. And it's been once again kind of a, a good offense and just a dominating defense. So that's kind of the part where it just we we still don't know the potential for for what Georgia's offense is, and we're not we're not completely sure now when we will see that that potential. So I don't know. That's not a disappointment you know, from a writing standpoint, but I could see from a fan base standpoint that you want to see what these guys can do because they do potentially have all these weapons. It's been the discussion all off season and the narrative with Georgia has been that, you know, they, they always have a good defense and they should be able to have a good offense as well. Once they get these guys back and now we're, we're in the bye week this is kind of that perfect time to think about well, when are these guys going to come back? And if they do, what might this offense look like when they have all their weapons at, at their quarterback's disposal? All right. One more superlative here. Unsung hero can be offense or can be defense. Man, I, I've got a lot of names running through my head, but the the definition of an unsung hero is Warren McClendon because he's a right tackle. He almost never shows up on film for, for a negative reason. Um it's, you know, you've had Justin Schaefer with some penalties. You've had Warren Erickson with some struggles at right guard. Maybe Cedric Van Pran falls into this category as well. Maybe maybe Darian Kendrick also falls in this category. Jamari Sawyer gets a lot of press because for an offensive lineman because he's the best. He's the left tackle. He's the guy that, that Georgia needs the most. I think he's probably their most valuable offensive lineman. But, man, Warren McClendon, dude, the, 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 the durability – the the consistency week in week out run block pass block doesn't matter he just gets the job done it's not flashy it's not nasty it's not dominant it's just really good really good every just about every play of just about every game I also thought about going with John Fitzpatrick here playing through injury earlier in the year Kiaris Jackson playing through injury earlier in the year um, I, I kind of have a lot of respect for guys gutting it through injuries and also uh, I would also mention Quay Walker who kind of stood out this past game, but he was going games without really picking up stats, but you could see number seven out there playing at a high level. Those are all guys I would consider, and and those one of, one of those – sorry if I stepped on it, Kip, but one of those may be yours. It's all right. You can go shotgun spray out there. I'm used to being the guy that goes last and has to just pick between the scraps here. You know, I, I, I thought about, you know, Dan Jackson, a guy that, you know, obviously uh, being a walk-on, not going to get the glory when he's on the field. You know, guys are usually uh, yelling about the fact that he's on the field, you know, on our junkyard game thread each time. But, you know, he's he's been pretty solid out there. and He's, he's stepped up and, and made a play here and there when they need him to. But, I mean, I don't know if this guy is really unsung, but I just want to say that Georgia wouldn't be where they are if not for him. And it's just, you know, another low-hanging fruit that I like to pluck. And I'm, I'm going to go with Stetson Bennett. You know, just a guy that uh, JT Daniels got all the obviously all the praise in the offseason and looked good when he's on the field. But uh, where is Georgia right now if Stetson Bennett, you know, isn't still on this team? And, and if he doesn't step up from being pretty good last year to, I mean, really good this year, uh, he is, I mean, he's been one of the most productive quarterbacks in the country. I, I think that 
a lot of credit has to go to Todd Monken and, and what he's been able to do with what he has. It's not like he's not, I mean, he's not working with scraps here either. I mean, he's working with outstanding players, but you know, he has been able to pivot multiple times with injuries and just, again, uh, what, what he's got to roll with and put one of the best offenses in the country on the field. And I think Stetson Bennett's has done an outstanding job, not putting in George, putting Georgia in bad situations, but more than that, making a ton of plays with his legs, with his arm. Uh, he's I mean, a guy that throws five touchdown passes in the game is obviously having a, you know, doing a pretty good job. But even since then, I mean, beating three ranked SEC teams in a row and doing that, not just, I mean, not just making one or two big throws, making multiple big time throws when they need them to. I mean, on third down, uh, making multiple tough runs on third down. A, a guy that's been fearless out there, a guy that everybody knows loves Georgia as much as any player possibly can, but is not just a game manager. Is a guy that can make a lot of plays and is not easy for defenses to scheme for. Uh, I, I think that everyone's waiting for JT Daniels to come back. That is the weekly question. You know, he is the more talented quarterback, but Stetson Bennett has really, really done an outstanding job leading Georgia's offense so far this year. Yeah, and and not only have they beat those three ranked teams, they're beating them by by 26 points a game. So, uh, by my math, I, th I think I did that right in my head, 78 points divided by three, 26 points a game, something like that. So, that's uh, that's pretty outrageous. And, uh, you know, great job by Stetson Bennett there. Maybe he should be the MVP. I mean, think about where Georgia is. I thought if, about it. Yeah, so if, if where Georgia is, JT Daniels is hurt and uh, Stetson Bennett is not there with all of his experience and, and his level of play. And still, still marvel at the fact that a guy that advanced in his career has gotten as much better as he has from last year to this year. I guess it just goes to show, like – Listen, all, the, all this talk about, yeah, so-and-so's, you know, maxed out, so-and-so's here, you just never know. You just really never know the right strings, the right buttons, however you want to put it. Sometimes they can just be pushed and pulled, and and uh, you end up uh, getting a guy that that gets even better and better, and and that's something that, that Stetson has definitely done. Let's take a break here real quick on the other side. we got a mailbag. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. All right, let's answer these questions. The mailbag presented by Stetson Bennett and the United States Postal Service. Uh, Savage Pads says, and I got this one, Kip, got dibs. Savage Pads says, does Beck hit the portal after the season? Um, you know, it's always super, super possible, okay? Like, we're in, a, we're in an age where – I'm not surprised if anybody hits portal. Guys, Jermaine Johnson hit the portal out of the blue last year. Did not expect it. Tyreek Stevenson playing all the time was set up to be a starter for the second year in a row, hit the portal. I don't I don't think Carson Beck will hit the portal after the season, but he, I think there's a good chance that if he's not where he wants to be after the spring, he does it. I, I, you know, if it, I, he's got to he's got to slide the t- slide the thermometer there at some point. And, and it also gotta, depends on what the other quarterbacks do. Very true. Yeah, if JT Daniels comes back, if if JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett come back, I mean, I think there's a good chance one at least one of those guys is going to come back because both of them can. Um, yeah, I mean, if one of those comes back, maybe he does leave after the season. Um, but you know, if if both of those guys are gone, if Stetson decides, hey, I'm I'm ready to get on with my life. Uh, which I don't know. I don't know if I was him if I'd do it because, man, I'm sure he's having a lot of fun right now. Uh, but uh, and then and, you know JT decides to go to the NFL, finishes the season off the way he wants, whatever. Um, but I think that uh, that that you know there's a very good chance that Carson Beck or any other quarterback at any other program in the country might transfer. That's just the way it goes, especially if they're not the starter. And uh, we may see him, you know, kind of put the. You know, I'm, I'm a Kip and I are barbecue guys. He might just slide that digital barbecue probe in there and see see if the meat's at 205 degrees internal. And uh, if it's not, then then maybe he moves on and and you know tries to break through the stall of that uh, of that Boston butt. Uh, Hooper Dog says, "Who is the last wide receiver in this class?" Kip, it's coming to you because I know nothing about nothing when it comes to recruiting. Just a little bit. Uh, Preston Green or Antoine. Anyone we aren't hearing about as far as the receiver thing, tell us about the recruiting at wide receiver, Kip. Definitely some guys still being recruited behind the scenes that that haven't really been discussed. I mean, we got guys committed to other programs that, you know, they don't want it out there that they're visiting or talking to Georgia, and that's usually where it it stands until, uh, you know, until that gets made known by them. For Georgia, obviously, losing Luther Burden on Tuesday was a big blow. Missing out to, uh, you know, the the nearby program in Missouri, that was a tough one, uh, one that where both sides felt good going into the end. And it's just one of those situations where both, you know, both coaching staffs had their person that they thought was kind of that decision maker in the process. And you, you don't know until the end. If you, you know, hitched your wagon to the right one. And so with Luther Burden, you know, a tough loss there, they'll continue to recruit him. I I really like Andre Green. I think he's a guy that George has recruited hard. It's been tough getting some traction with him. I mean, getting him back on campus would definitely tell you that, you know, they're in a good spot for him. A guy out of Richmond, Virginia, that North Carolina and Clemson, Oregon have all been in on, you know, he's already taken official visits to Georgia, North Carolina, Oregon. Clemson's trying to get him on campus. I I think that North Carolina's felt pretty good about him for a while, but if Georgia can get him back on campus, I think, you know, you look at that Missouri game, uh, you know, what, what is the kickoff time for that game? Are they able to get guys on campus from out of state? You know, that Arkansas game they had a couple weeks ago, 
outstanding visitor list for a noon game kind of just tells you where George is as a program. They were able to get the guys on campus they were, but those 330 or, you know, even if it's not on, you know, if it's on SEC Network and it's a 6 or 7 p.m. game, it still helps as far as being able to get guys from further away on campus. It gives you more time after they're done playing football on Friday to be able to wake up, get in, get in uh, you know, that coach or that dad, mom or dad's car and, and get going to Georgia at noon. It's, it's tough. I mean, you got to get up early. You fans know how early you have to, you know, to get to Athens for a noon kickoff. Well, imagine playing football on Friday on an away game and getting home after midnight and then trying to make that trip or convince a parent or coach to, to get up and make that trip on Saturday. It's not easy. And so, I mean, that's there's a lot of recruiting going on there just to, to get them going on Saturday morning. So I, I think with Georgia, you, you want to get guys on campus for you only have those two home games left. You got Charleston Southern, you got Missouri. Um, you know, Kojo from, from Lambert High School committed to Ohio State's a guy that has been on campus a couple of times. And you, you kind of feel that, you know, Georgia's feeling around there to kind of see if maybe he's willing to uh, – to reconsider the, you know, the in-state school there. I think, you know, that's one that it's worth watching to kind of see what happens maybe uh, there in December toward the end, depending on if George is able to get another receiver or not in the class. It's obvious that they're wanting to get another guy, another playmaker. But right now I think that there's just some other guys behind the scenes that they're also going to be recruiting to see if they can get any traction. That's just one of those aspects where we're going to be uh, – kind of waiting to see if, if some things break here in the next two months. Georgia's got a lot of equity right now, a lot of brand equity, and a lot of guys are kind of looking at the program that, you know, we're kind of waiting to see how this team looked in, in June and July as far as Georgia's recruiting. And it's just one of those situations where even when Georgia misses out on a top guy, and they, they have, I mean, there are a lot of irons in the fire right now. And I think that this class is really the arrow is pointing up as far as where it might end up when all is said and done. People ask, is this going to be a top three class June and July? That was kind of a question mark. This kind of feels like an annual evergreen discussion we have here in October. But right now, it really feels like Georgia's in a great place to land a top three class and push for that number one class. And like we said, we got that question before. It's really tough to know because this cycle if we're, if you know if they're able to get that waiver for for guys who transfer, then Georgia's got a chance to sign 30, 31 guys in this class. Other programs obviously do too. So it's it's gonna be really tough to to put up a projection on who has that number one class. But rest assured, Georgia's in a really good spot right now. For sure. Let's buzz through. Like I'm gonna just blow right through three of them right here because they're all kind of. Uh, Kind of Let's simple go. answers for me. Rock Ford GA Dogs says, "Is everyone that was on scholarship last? I'm sorry, I, I skipped one. Let me. I don't want to miss this one. Ultimate Dog, could Julian Rochester come back for another season? What's his status? He cannot. He is a super senior. He is he is playing his COVID year right now, the very last year of his eligibility. Right now, he's working on the scout team. I th- I'm pretty sure he's cleared. They're just kind of trying to get him up to that level of play where he can actually kind of help and be confident." Um, in his knee, I don't know if he's going to get there, but I, I am. I am. I tell you what, I I like the kid. I've liked him for a long, long time. He's always been the best dude ever. I know he's going to be successful no matter what he does, and I have so much respect for him for coming back and wanting to be a part of this team again after a second ACL injury. Julian Rochester, cut from great cloth. 
Great kid. I hope everybody roots for him going forward because he's awesome. Uh, Rock for GA Dogs. Is everyone that was on scholarship last year eligible for a COVID year? Example, McConkey was red-shirted. Did he get a COVID year? Yes. Everybody that was on the on this uh, played college football last year or any sport in the NCAA gets the next year. So Lab McConkey, yeah, he's a, he's a red shirt freshman right now. Okay, but at the end of you know he'll play his red shirt freshman year, red shirt sophomore, fourth year junior, fourth year senior, and then he'll be a super senior. So yes, he'll be able to be a sixth year senior, and that goes for everybody. You can you know if whoever whatever they're listed at right now, unless they're a super senior right now. Whatever they're listed at, just add a year to it. So it's JT Daniels, a fourth-year junior. He'll be a fifth-year senior and then a super senior after that. So JT Daniels has this year and two more left if he wants them. Tack for UGA says, does Pickens play against Florida? That's tough. He's not cleared right now. I'm going to say no. Um, Kip, say just no. – yeah, yeah, I'm going to say no. Uh, I think maybe sometime in November – We'll see. Um, you know, again, there's going to be an element of choice here. Right now, he's he's with the team and he's working and he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, but you know, when the time comes and he gets cleared and they say, "Hey, George, do you want to play? Do you want to risk this?" Then the decision's ultimately going to be made. And Kirby said yesterday there's a long-term plan, which I thought was kind of funny. And he said they're not going to disclose it. Well. There had been no timeline or no plan before that, so that was kind of interesting to me. Let's get into these comments here, Kip uh, and. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, we got one right here. I see it. I see it. What injured player, aside from JT, that is going to return will make the biggest impact? Um, if we can consider Jermaine Burton in there, I'm going to say Jermaine Burton. Uh, who you got, Kip? Yeah, I mean, it, he's not 100%, so it's it's Jermaine Burton for sure. But also, I mean, I think having Chris Smith out there would make a big impact as well just because of the, the safety depth. I mean, I think – if we're talking about the most important play of the season, do we still, I mean, even though Clemson is, you know, not who we thought they were, uh, I think just the, as far as the trajectory of the season and, and what Georgia has been able to do, I still think that that pick six that Chris Smith made in the, in, in that season opener, I mean, that, that changed everything. Who knows what happens if he doesn't, you know, pick that ball off and, and, and score that touchdown uh, to put Georgia ahead there. So I just think that, I mean, having him out there, a ball hawk in the secondary, uh, you know, that is one aspect that you really – there haven't been a lot of uh, forced turnovers in the back end, um, but at the same time, not a lot of big plays made against the secondary either, so that's good. But he is that guy out there that, that has a nose for the football in the secondary. So I think he could be a guy that, that really gives Georgia an impact player that they need on that defense right now. You are muted, Jake. I'm an idiot. All right. Uh, <laughs> Demand 430. He's asking this to you, Kip. What do you think about switching the Georgia-Florida game to home and home instead of playing in Jacksonville? Man, uh, I knew when you sent me uh, that to write yesterday that it was going to set off a, a bomb on the board, and it did. It's obviously a very, very passionate debate on what should happen with that game. You got tradition versus, uh, I guess – recruiting and for for me uh you know i think we see college football change all the time i know that tradition is something that's revered in this sport and something that you know people usually do not love change in college football but i know that if you're georgia and if you're kirby smart 
you want the ability to host recruits, whether it's in Jacksonville. I don't think he wants recruits in Jacksonville because he's not selling Athens when he's in Jacksonville. So being able to give guys tickets and see the game is not really what his end goal is. Even if it's every other year, he wants to be able to have recruits in Athens for that extra game because Georgia's down a game being able to host players. And so I think for him, that's, I mean, that's Georgia's selling point. And that's why, I mean, last year during the, you know, the pandemic, Georgia not being able to get guys on campus, I mean, it affected them. It affected everyone, obviously, but it took away something that Georgia, one of Georgia's strengths, which is being able to go face-to-face with his entire coaching staff and show them what Athens can offer. And uh, and if Kirby's able to do that an extra weekend every other year, then it's only going to make his ability to recruit even stronger. And so I think that's just something that right now he makes the best of it every year. You could tell player recruits in Florida that they'll have that game in Jacksonville that's close, maybe close to their family. But I think the greater selling point for him is Athens and, and just what Georgia has to offer there. And so, I mean, he could still sell the fact that if they're playing home and home, then they'll be in Gainesville every other year. And so your family can still come see you play, you know, you know, in Gainesville, they'll have that opportunity to, to see that happen as well. So I know what Kirby wants. The fans, it's pretty split, I would imagine, because people love making that trip. They love going to, you know, Jacksonville. They love going to, to Brunswick, my hometown, going to St. Simons Island, setting up camp and, and making that trek every year. I mean, for a lot of people, that's a vacation. They're able just to get away and get down there. And so I understand why people, you know, love that 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 week. But it's pretty clear which one Kirby Smart wants to happen, and that's definitely the home and home. And listen, there's a reason Kirby Smart's not just saying we got to get this game out of Jacksonville. It's because Kirby Smart's not going to live to be a five thousand years old, and he knows that this game is going to be played after he's a head coach at Georgia. And you change that tradition, you you put another coach in a situation or put the fan base in a situation they don't want to be in, and you're the driving force behind that change. It's tough. And Georgia loses money if they turn this into a home-and-home home because, I mean, the Athens area doesn't because the Athens area is going to get that game every other year, and these businesses are going to make a lot of money. But Georgia makes a ton of money from the city of Jacksonville playing that game down there. There's the tradition. There's also the fact that one of these days, Georgia's – Probably, you know, based on what we know about college football, Florida's going to have their version of an Urban Meyer or Kirby Smart-style recruiter, and Georgia's going to have their version of, you know, a Mark Rick-style recruiter, for lack of a better word. I mean, he always recruited well, but not at an elite level. And uh, then it that bear's going to eat him, you know, at that point. And, it's, I mean, obviously it's your job to fix it and get it right and all that stuff. But, yeah, this, this is one of those things. There's a reason why Kirby's not – you know, he's he's given an opinion, but he's not driving change just yet. And why another yeah. contract was signed after he became head coach. Uh, to Craig so, Lawson's point there, I mean, he talked about how much does getting out of Jacksonville really help if you're already getting top players. You got to understand Kirby Smart's mindset. He is a every advantage possible guy. That's how he is as far as a coach, you know, as far as film, as far as trying to find every advantage possible. And he's like them recruiting. 
he's able to sign top players in spite of not having that home game every year to be able to host recruits. But he he wants the advantage that everybody else has to even that playing field and to help him get even further ahead. Maybe it affects two or three recruitments a year, and that's two or three recruitments he would prefer to have go his way. Absolutely. All right, to quote a uh, philanthropist, philosophist, and all-around Saint Tony Schiavone, we're desperately out of time. We got to go. This is that. This is it for the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24/7. He's Kip Adams from the same place. Y'all take it easy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.